Now, as we begin in Mark chapter 4, we're going to pick it up at verse 21. I'll read the first few verses, but then we need to spend a little bit of time understanding the context of how Jesus speaks here. Let's begin here. Mark chapter 4, verse 21. And he said to them, as a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed, is it not to be set on a lampstand? There's nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it's become the light. And if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. In the Gospel of Mark, in this section, we have an extended section in chapters 4 and 5, where Mark has arranged things to emphasize the word of Jesus. We notice here in the first part of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, what we looked at last week, he explains the parable of the sower, where Jesus describes the farmer who goes out and scatters the seed, and how the seed falls on different kinds of ground determines what will grow up from it. In that parable, Jesus challenged each one of us with how we will receive the Word of God. Some of us have hard, rocky hearts, and the word of God never really penetrates. And so Jesus, in the parable, explained how Satan comes along, and just like a bird comes and snatches up a seed that never really penetrates the ground, so Satan will come and snatch away the word of God if it doesn't penetrate deeply into our heart. Then Jesus explained, there's another kind of ground. There's a kind of ground where the seed goes in, but it's sort of on a, just a very thin layer of topsoil on top of rocky ground. And that seed might spring up rapidly, but it can't take root because of the rocky ground underneath. And so it'll wither away very quickly. And so sometimes the word of God seems to uh, spring up very quickly in our hearts. And it seems to show great progress very quickly. But then almost just as quickly, it doesn't take root and it fades away. Then Jesus described another case where the the word of God falls on ground and it grows, but so do a lot of weeds come along and it chokes out the word of God. And Jesus said those weeds are like the cares of the world, the things that we concern ourselves with in this life that choke out the word of God. And then finally, Jesus explained, sometimes the seed lands on good ground. And when it lands on good ground, it bears a harvest, some 30-fold, some 60, some 100-fold. So Jesus was challenging you and I, saying, how are you going to receive the word? What kind of soil is your heart going to be? If it's hard, then let God plow it. If it's rocky, then let God take the rocks out. If it's it's ground that will bring forth a lot of weeds, then let God weed your heart. But let it be fruitful soil that brings forth the word. Then, now, Jesus, in the section we're going to consider today, is going to use three parables that illustrate for us how the word should be used and how the word works. That's the whole intent of the parables that he's going to give to us. Now, after this, and we'll start considering this next week, in the end part of chapter 4 and in chapter 5, Jesus is going to give us three dramatic examples of the power of the word of Jesus. The power to calm a storm. The power to cast out a demon and the power to even raise the dead. So the whole broad theme that we're dealing with is the word of God and how it works in our life. And this is what Jesus means when he comes into verse 21. And he says, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? Well, it's logical, isn't it? You don't light a lamp and then hide it under a box. It's very vivid in my mind because I just came back from a camping trip. And on that camping trip, uh, around the campfire, they, they strung a tall rope, sort of stretched out horizontally. 
And on the one hand, it was maybe 15, 20 feet up. And there it was, just spread right across where everybody would eat, sort of in the middle around the campfire. And then up above there, they had one of those big, fat metal clips. And from that, they would hang the lantern. Now, when the lantern hang nice and high up like that, its light spread all over the place. And one lantern could light up a huge area because it was put up high in a prominent place. But if you took that same lantern, put it out on the, on the ground, and then put a box over it, that lantern could be shining just as brightly as ever, but nobody could see it. See the difference? God says, I want my word out there being exposed. I want the word to get out there. Now, how can you get God's word out in your everyday life? Well, you don't have to buy a rainbow Afro wig and get a John 3.16 sign and go to prominent sporting events and and wave the sign to to get God's word out. I suppose that's better than nothing. I I can't see how it does much harm, but the real point is that's not really going to accomplish it. What it accomplishes is God's word being real in your life And you're just being a real person regarding God's word. Let me put it to you this way. If you might talk to somebody here this morning in church about something wonderful that the Lord's doing in your life, why wouldn't you talk to a co-worker about it tomorrow morning? Well, why not? Why hide it? Why put a box over that light? Why not just share it? You say, well, they'll think I'm weird. Well, maybe they will. Maybe they'll get a good laugh out of it. You know, there's enough sorrow in this world. Why not spread a few laughs around wherever you can? And if it comes down to making people laugh at you, well, then, you know, at least you're spreading a little bit of cheer if you're not doing anything else. But, you know, it's more likely than them laughing at you that they'll say, they have something that I want. I want that kind of work in my life. I want to see God at work in my life. This is something good that I want. And so Jesus isn't telling us to do anything more than put the light that's in our life. It's shining, so just get it out where everybody can see it. Because you know what? You can't hide God's work, can you? It's going to shine forth. Look at it there, verse 22. For there's nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor anything that's been kept secret, that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. You can see just Jesus proclaiming this. Get it out. Get it exposed. Get God's truth out there. Friends, we have a responsibility to do this. And think of yourself as, as a, a scientist there in a research laboratory and, and you discover a, a cure for a life-threatening disease. Well, what are you going to do? Just keep it in the laboratory? No, you have an obligation. Get that word out. Get the news out of it. Here's something that can save lives. Here's something that can benefit people. I want it to get known that I have this, something that can help others. Friends, if God has done something good in your life, then let it be spread out, let it shine out abroad into the lives of other people. So Jesus, through this illustration of the lamp and the basket and all this, what's he telling us about the word of God in that little picture? He's saying, let it shine. Let it be broadcast out. Let God's truth in your life just radiate out so that everybody can see it. Well, that's not the only picture he has to say. He's going to continue on the same thought. Look at verse 24 here. He says, Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. I want you to notice that Jesus, because of the importance of God's word, he's really cluing us into something on verse 24, where he said, Take heed what you hear. Christian, 
You need to be careful about your spiritual diet. You need to be very careful about it. You need to be careful what you take in. Some Christians aren't careful like this at all. They live their Christian life on an enormous diet of spiritual junk food. And what it is, is it really damages their Christian life. Now, sometimes it's excused. They excuse it in themselves. They say, well, look, you know, I know that that pastor, I know that that teacher, I know that he's teaching a lot of bad things, but he also teaches a lot of good things. And so what I'll do is I'll eat the meat, spit out the bones. You know, the problem with that is that a lot of people are going to choke on those bones. And people that you bring to hear that teacher are going to choke on those bones. And someday one of those bones might get lodged in your throat and bring you to ruin. You need to do what Jesus said in verse 24, take heed what you hear. Now there's a lot of reasons for choosing a church, but one of the big reasons must be Jesus told me to take heed what I hear, and I know that this church teaches the whole counsel of God's word, and I'm going to put my trust in that, that here God's word is going to be given to me. I'm not saying that's the only reason to choose a church, but certainly it's one of the significant ones. Friends, this is a very important principle. Jesus is telling us to take heed what you hear, and if you don't do that, again, you'll be filling your life with this spiritual junk food. Again, how important it is. Yeah. You ever go to the supermarket and you're walking by the, the Twinkies or the Ding Dongs and you'll take a look at the picture there and you got, you got this, this horrible junk food. I mean, it's just chemicals. And it tastes really good, but right there, it's just, just terrible for you. And then it'll say something like, enriched with vitamins. <laughs> oh, you think, hey, this is pretty good. Well, friends, let me tell you something. Just because they sprinkle a few vitamins in a Twinkie, it's still a Twinkie. (laughs) And it's the same way with spiritual food. Somebody can sprinkle a few vitamins in something. But if it's still spiritual junk food, it's still, well, it's still a Twinkie, isn't it? And so you have to take careful consideration of what you hear. Now, he goes on and explains why. Look at it here in verse 24. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. This is why it's important to take heed what you hear. God will respond to us as we've responded to him and to his word. In some ways, God works with us like sonar. He sends out a signal to us. And you know how sonar works. The signal goes out and then it reflects and it comes back. Well, God sends his word out to us and he sees how it comes back to him. Are we listening? Are we paying attention? Are we receiving it? Are we gathering it in? And if it comes back to him like that, then he says, fine, I'll send out another signal. I'll send out more signals. I'll give them more because they received what I gave them to begin with. But friends, when you don't receive what God has to, begin you with, has to give you for begin with, then you're not going to receive more and more from him. And it works just this way. Isn't it amazing that to the one with no interest in the gospel, the the preaching of the gospel seems completely uninteresting to them. But to the one who who has a a hunger to to find good spiritual food, and those who want the solid truth, why they can get something almost out of anything. And God blesses them mightily. 
And Jesus reinforces this principle, verse 25, For whoever has, to him more will be given, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. In other words, Jesus is trying to relate to us that when it comes to the Word of God and its work in our life, it follows that principle of spiritual momentum. It's like this. Your spiritual life is lived on an incline. It's not lived on flat ground. It's lived on an incline. And what that means is either you're making progress or you're falling back. When something's on an incline, it's either moving up or down. And it moves up with momentum or it moves down with momentum. And when you're in the Word and you're receiving the Word and God's ministering to your heart, then you want more, don't you? You're hungry spiritually. You want more and more. But what happens when you close your ears to God's Word for a while? You take a break from God's Word. You don't want to receive it. You don't want to come to church. You don't want to get in the Word for yourself. You take a break from God's Word for all. What happens? All of a sudden, you are less and less interested in hearing. It's kind of like physical exercise, isn't it? So you're trying to get in shape. And you exercise or go to the gym. You say, I'm going to, I'm going to be committed three or four days a week. I'm really going to do it. And you're into it for a while. You know, maybe a month, maybe two. You're really into it. You know, you're kind of getting into it. Yeah, you like it. You do it. And then something comes up and you can't go for a week or two. Now, after you haven't gone for a week or two, you don't want to get back into it, do you? It virtually takes a crisis to get you back working out again. You know, that crisis of realizing your clothes don't fit you at all anymore. <laughs> and you're saying, no, I have to do it. But it's hard. It's hard because you stopped doing it. It's the same principle, spiritual momentum in our lives. When we're in the Word, we want the Word. When you're out of the Word, suddenly you're not as hungry as you were before. Jesus is reinforcing to us these principles of how the Word of God works in our life. And now in verse 26, he's going to give another one. I find a fascinating parable illustrating how the Word of God works. Here we go. Verse 26, And he said, The kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Now, let's stop right there. In the parable of the sower, what did seed represent? The Word of God. So here we can take by analogy the same principle. Jesus is talking about the word of God being scattered abroad. Here we go, verse 27. And he, the farmer, he says, should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not yet know how. For the earth yields crop by itself. First the blade, then the head, then after the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, Because the harvest has come. You see the principle he's talking about? Here's the farmers at work, and he goes out to his field, and he scatters the seed, and he prepares it all. But friends, let's understand something. The farmer cannot make the seed grow. It's not like he gets inside of the seed and turns on a switch. He doesn't make the seed grow. All he does is provide the right conditions for the seed to grow, and then the seed grows. But the seed grows mysteriously. All of a sudden, the farmer wakes up one morning, and there it is. It's sprouting. And he comes back the next day, and you look at it from day to day, and you can't see it grow. I know we like that time-lapse photography you see in the documentaries, you know, where it grows from a seed, and then all the way up, and in two minutes, you watch it grow all the way to full-grown plant. It doesn't work like that in real life. You can't see it growing. You just see its progress from day to day. 
Friends, that is how the Word of God works in our life. It works in a secret, mysterious way. It works in ways and causes growth in us in invisible ways that we can't even see as it happens. Now, what do I mean by that? Friends, let me illustrate it to you this way. When you come and when you hear the Word of God, you need to know that it does a work in you far beyond the intellectual work of saying, oh, well, I understand this better in the Bible. Now, that's a great thing. It's a great thing to understand the things in the Bible better, and we all want to do that. The Bible should be ministering to our intellect and to our mind. But the Word of God goes deeper. It goes deeper because it does a spiritual work in those who hear it. Let me give you an example. The Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As you hear the word of God today, God is putting more faith in you. And you say, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to have more faith put in me. But friends, that's exactly what the word of God is doing. It's putting more and more faith in you. Then again, you have the other aspect of the Word of God. It says that it cleanses us. The Bible says that we're cleansed by the washing of the water of the Word. Friends, as you listen to the Word of God, you're going to leave here cleaner than when you came in. And you're one aware of it. You're not aware that the Holy Spirit's scrubbing your soul as you're sitting there listening. But He's doing it. The Bible talks about the Word giving us strength, the Word giving us power, the Word cleansing us, the Word guiding us. The Word of God has an invisible spiritual work that happens in our hearts. It happens inside of us, and even though we can't see it, we can see its progress in our life. That's why it's so important for us to be under the Word of God. You know, even if you leave here and can't remember a single word I said, or can't remember a single one of the main points that I made, you've still benefited spiritually from being here today. Some of you benefit because you're getting a well-deserved rest right now, and you've needed that sleep for a long time, and we don't want to wake you. But no, the real benefit comes because the Word of God is doing a spiritual work right there in our hearts. And it's invisible, but it's real nonetheless. It happens. So friends, just as much as that that little first grader takes the lima bean and puts it in the plastic cup and puts the wet paper towel all around it and runs back every day to see if it's growing, they can't actually see the little thing grow as it happens. As they look at it from day to day, it looks like not much is happening. But as the days go on, all of a sudden, they see that something wonderful has sprung up. This is how it works in your life and my life with the Word of God. It's an amazing thing as God's Word works within us. I mean, this is what he says. It says here, he himself, verse 27, he himself does not know how. You see, how exactly the seed grows is a mystery to the farmer. But it does. Friends, this is something that gets me excited about the ministry of the Word of God. Because it assures me that what we do here on a Sunday morning has far more effect than simply what we learn about the Bible. I mean, that's a wonderful thing, and we don't want to neglect that. But I know that God is doing a spiritual work in you. Hard hearts are being broken. Hearts that need to 
be blessed and need to be strengthened and or maybe bitterness that needs to be let go of or or whatever work that God needs to do in your heart he will do it increasingly as you are into the word of God like a seed the word of God has a hidden and a mysterious power now When the work is done, it can't be missed. Look at it there, verse 29. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. You see, the the way that the word of God works, it's invisible until you see the full-grown effect. And all of a sudden you say, wow, look at the harvest. And some of your lives are like that, aren't they? You look at your life now compared to how it was five years ago or ten years ago, and you're amazed. You're amazed at the work that God has done in your life. And he's done so much of it through this mysterious power of his word. Jesus can take something small like his word, implant it in your heart, and bear a very rich harvest. Well, that's the second parable. The first one was about the light, right? And it needs to be exposed. Jesus was teaching us through that that God's word needs to shine out and we shouldn't hinder it in any way. The second parable he used was about the seed working in a mysterious and hidden way. And that's how the word of God works. It works in in far more ways than we can see. But then finally, he gives a third parable beginning at verse 30. Check this out. And he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is grown on the ground is smaller than all the seeds on the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. I find this parable of Jesus very interesting because actually it's filled with controversy. Oh, you go to the Bible teachers and you go to the commentators and there's a real split in interpretation as to what Jesus meant by this parable. I'll give you sort of the standard interpretation. It's the standard interpretation is that Jesus is explaining how the word of God can start out with just a very small work in our hearts and then all of a sudden, over time, it grows up and it becomes something big and life-dominating and huge in our life. Just like a a little tiny mustard seed can be planted and it can grow into a significant plant. That's one way of perhaps understanding this. It's not my way of understanding this. I think Jesus is talking about something different, something a little bit darker here. Now, I'll agree that there's some difference in interpretation on this. And this is a little tough to figure this parable exactly out. But I'll tell you what I think about it. I believe that Jesus is talking about an unnatural growth with this parable. Look at it again carefully, verse 30. To what shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when it is sown in the ground, is smaller than all the seeds on the earth. In other words, Jesus is saying is that as his kingdom appears, and I think what he's talking about here is as his kingdom on earth appears, his work among his people, if you want to put it in these terms, his church, as it were. As it works, look at it, verse 30, it starts out small, but verse 32 But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. Well, there are many commentators who believe that this describes an unnatural growth of a mustard mustard plant. That typically speaking, mustard plants don't grow so big that they shoot out large branches and birds nest in them. What this is describing in the eyes of some commentators is a grotesque 
or unnatural or out of bounds growth. Say, well, how could the kingdom of God, how could the church, how could that grow in an out of bounds kind of way? Well, I think we've certainly seen it in history, haven't we? I don't think the church can grow too big numerically. No. God, bring them in. Bring in your people. Bring them into the kingdom. No, God's work over this earth can't grow too big numerically. But what it can grow is in ways that it wasn't intended to grow. Like it can grow as a political party or as a ruling party. You know, over much of the Middle Ages in Europe, the church had an unnatural dominance over society. The church had armies. The church had governments. The church had ambassadors. The church had huge treasuries and political influence. And the church was a political and military empire. Friends, God never intended the church to be a political and military empire. He intended us to be a spiritual empire. And so we see that there have definitely been times in church history when the church has had an unnatural growth. Now, this is kind of a kicker in this parable. Do you notice this in verse 32 where he says, And it shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. Now, on the one hand, you could say, well, isn't that sweet? The little birds nesting in the, in the shade of, 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 of how God's kingdom appears on earth. It's great. It's wonderful. Except when we think back to a parable that Jesus just gave. I want you to look again. Mark chapter 4, here in verse 15. Jesus in the parable of the sower says, And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear... Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Oh, well, he's saying Satan has a word. If you go back to verse 4, he says, And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. So in the parable of the sower, Jesus said that birds represent what? Satan and Satan's emissaries. And so if you carry the same principle over to the parable of the mustard seed, suddenly we have the church growing in unnatural and grotesque ways so that the emissaries of Satan itself, himself, I should say, can go and find their nest within the branches of the church. Friends, I think this shows us something. It shows us, uh, first of all, that not all growth is necessarily good. Now, believe me, we want the work of God to be as large as he wants it to be. I mean, if you had the choice of seeing 10 people come to Christ or 10,000 people come to Christ, which would you prefer? You want to see as many come to Jesus as you possibly can. But friends, there is such a thing as unnatural growth, where the church grows into areas or into things where it doesn't really belong. There's also such a thing as being too big for God to really use. You know, sometimes we can get so caught up in machinery and and so caught up in programs and all that, that those things run on their own steam apart from the Spirit of God. Now, I'm not saying that it has to be like that with the large work. No, no, no. It, It would be entirely wrong for anybody to take a look at any particular church and say, well, they're big, they must be too big for God to use. No, no, not at all. But friends, you and I can be too big for God to use. We can be too confident in our own abilities, both personally and as a church. 
We can be too much trusting in ourselves, trusting in our own abilities, trusting in what we can do. And whenever you're at that place, you're too big for God to use. Friends, you see the emphasis of Jesus time and time again, which says you should never despise the day of small things because God can do a great work even in those days. And let God grow it as he sees fit and is natural. Now notice this here. He finishes up in verse 33 and 34 with the passage we're going to consider this morning. He says, And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. Well, here we have three parables for us that we considered this morning. The first one was about the light shining. And Jesus was saying to us, get the word of God out and let it shine. The second parable was about how the word of God grows in us. And it grows secretly and mysteriously and in ways that are not visible to the naked eye, but the results can be seen over time. And then in the third parable, Jesus was warning us, saying, let the word of God grow with a natural growth in your heart, not in an abnormal way, but in a natural way, where it really is a growth by the Spirit and not by anything else. Now, in all those things, Jesus explained, I love the last line of verse 34, because he says, and when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. Maybe there's something in your heart or in your mind that is unexplained this morning. You want God to explain something to you. Now, let me tell you, God will not explain everything to us in the way we'd like him to. One of the most vivid examples to me of this is, the, is in the book of Job, where Job was a man who was very seriously afflicted, and all of his friends thought they knew exactly why Job was afflicted. Job, you're afflicted because you're in sin. And Job knew that it wasn't because of any sin in his life, and, and he was right on that point. But Job was so adamant that God come and defend him. God, you come down now. I demand that you tell me why I'm afflicted. I know my friends are wrong, but I demand that you come down and tell me why. And God came down to Job, all right. And he said, oh, you're demanding an explanation, are you? Well, let me explain a few things to you, Job. Were you around when I created the heavens and the earth? Now, do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you know this secret of nature, that secret of nature? Do you know this? You demand all this knowledge, Job. How much do you really know? And by the time God got done with his speech, Job humbled himself before God and he said, I repent in dust and ashes. And then the Lord restored him. You see, my friends, it's a very important point that we can't come and demand explanation from God. Sometimes God's explanation is, trust me on this one. I know what I'm doing. And we have to accept that. But friends, he wants to explain all things to his disciples, even if the explanation comes in the form of a, trust me on this one. And that'll be good enough for us. So let's pray and and ask that the Lord take his word and do this deep spiritual work in our hearts, far beyond than just what we can see, but by what his spirit can do. Let's pray together. Father, we want to believe the promise in your word that your work would be done not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. And Father, I pray that the word of God empowered and and used by the Spirit of God 
would minister to the people of God. And so this morning, Lord, I pray for a discouraged heart and pray that your word in its spiritual work would give courage to that discouraged heart. I pray for the person, Lord, who's broken, that you would uh, restore them and, and bring them to full strength by the power of your word. I pray, Lord, that that mysterious, secret power of your word would extend to the person, Lord, who feels condemned this morning. They'd know the joy of your forgiveness. Father, I pray for an outpouring of your spirit upon us. And I know one of the great ways that you want to do that is through the ministry of your word. So, Father, pour it into us. Lord, I pray that you would help me. Help me to be a faithful teacher of your people. So that, Lord, these people could rightly entrust me as they take heed to what they hear of your word. Father, it can only happen as you work in me. So I come to you and I pray and I ask that you do that great work. And that you all, all, Lord, that you work in all of us, I should say, to accomplish this great work in Jesus' name. Amen.